It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Welcome back. Now, I am really excited for this week's episode because not too long ago, I had some folks come out on one of my ghost tours and they told me about this particular tale. And while I had heard the story before, hearing it from folks from down there in Alabama where this thing took place got me incredibly fired up. And that is totally one of the things that I love about doing this podcast. I love hearing the stories that you grew up with in your town because At the end of the day, that is our goal here on Southern Gothic, figuring out what the heck that crazy thing your mama was talking about back in the day and putting a little bit of context and exploring it a little deeper. Well, before we get started and we go on down to Alabama, I do have one very brief ask of you. We want to get to know you a little bit better, so I'd greatly appreciate it if you would help us and consider taking a few minutes to fill out our listener survey. It's just a brief questionnaire that's going to give you the chance to tell us a little bit more about what you like and don't like, what you want more of and what you don't. And of course, some of that info that you give us will make sure that when we take that break for a commercial, that dreaded break, it's always going to be for stuff that you might like and appreciate rather than just something totally random. So please, if you could just do us a quick favor, take a moment and fill that out for us. It is a wonderful way that you can help support the show without spending any money. The link is in the show notes. Now let's get on down to Alabama 
and talk about one of the state's most infamous legends. This particular tale takes place in the city of Carrollton, which is just about 45 minutes west of Tuscaloosa. Today, the town only has a population of a little over a thousand people or so, but it is the county seat for Pickens County, and for that reason, it has a beautiful red brick Italianate-style courthouse. The town was incorporated back in 1831 with the purpose of serving as the county seat, but during Reconstruction in the early 20th century, the courthouse square became central to some grim racial violence. Between 1877 and 1917, 15 African Americans were lynched in Pickens County, and most right there where that courthouse stands today. While there really hasn't been any historical markers erected here that informs visitors of the place's dark history, there's one truly unique and possibly paranormal phenomenon that has drawn visitors and onlookers to this site with a legend that truly typifies the racial violence of this era. On the bottom pane of the garret window of the Pickens County Courthouse is the image of a man's face frozen in a look of fear or terror. The image is believed to have been there since 1878 and has survived over a century of attempts to clean it away. But still, it remains as a reminder of a great injustice that was once committed here on a man named Henry Wells. My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you are listening to Southern Gothic. On April 5, 1865, just four days before General Robert E. Lee surrendered his Army of Northern Virginia, effectively ending the Civil War, United States Army General John T. Croxton ordered the destruction of the Pickens County Courthouse in Carrollton, Alabama. Why he did it is unknown. In spite of its status in the community, the building really didn't have any military importance to the Confederacy, but he did it anyway, and his men set the building ablaze, enraging the local community, which honestly might have been why he did what he did, an attempt to demoralize these folks here in Pickens County. But these people were proud, so after the war ended, they vowed to rebuild what had been destroyed 
even though this proved to be a difficult task. The southern economy was in shambles, and materials were difficult to come by and expensive to purchase. Yet they did not waver, and that courthouse was rebuilt in all of its glory. Unfortunately, this new building would not last. On November 16, 1876, the people of Pickens County watched helplessly as their new courthouse was consumed by flames, just as its predecessor had been. And it too was the victim of arson. An investigation into the fire took place but it dragged on for weeks without any results. And as each day passed, the community became more and more impatient with the authorities. Talk began spreading through town that the city leadership and police force were incompetent, and more than one resident swore they'd take matters into their own hands if the people in charge couldn't do it for them. Yet still, there was no culprit to identify. And the more pressing matter was that a new courthouse had to be built yet again. Then, in January of 1878, the town became convinced that it had finally caught the man who set fire to their beloved courthouse, a man named Henry Wells. Whether deserving or not, Wells had a bit of a reputation around town as a drifter and a brawler, said to always carry a knife that he wasn't afraid of using. So when he was arrested for robbery, some believed he was just the type of person who would have set fire to the courthouse. And since Wells was a formerly enslaved African-American, folks didn't have much of an issue with villainizing him. So the rumor spread. Alabama folklorist Catherine Tucker Wyndham wrote of the situation, quote, Nobody really saw him set fire to the courthouse, but he had been in town early on the morning when the fire occurred, and rumors connecting him with the burning began to be circulated, especially when no other suspect could be located. In spite of the fact that there was only vague circumstantial evidence against him, Wells was arrested on four counts, arson, burglary, carrying a concealed weapon, and assault with intent to murder. Well aware of the anger brewing in town, the sheriff decided to have Wells sent to Tuscaloosa out of concern for his safety. But on the way, he tried to escape. The guard was quick to act, and he shot Wells in the leg, recapturing him, and then returning the prisoner back to the courthouse in Carrollton. There, he was locked in one of the basement jail cells. But when word came that a mob was forming outside, the sheriff sent him up to the building's attic and gave his prisoner orders to remain quiet and out of sight. Meanwhile, a thunderstorm was brewing outside. Yet the mob was undeterred. Armed with torches and sticks, they gathered outside the courthouse, screaming their demands for the sheriff to hand Wells over to them. Desperately, the sheriff tried to calm them 
and send everyone back to their homes. But as he gradually lowered the temperature of the crowd, Henry Wells made a critical mistake. While upstairs, he was able to hear the commotion outside, and sitting there all alone gave him a growing sense of anger, confusion, and fear. And eventually, these feelings got the best of him. So Henry Wells walked to the window and peered down at the mob below. But upon doing so, one of them saw his face peering out, and the mob's anger was reignited and all the work the sheriff had done to calm them was instantly erased. The shouting grew, and the men demanded that Wells be brought down to them so that he could face punishment for the crime that they believed he committed. In response, Wells shouted back at them, I am innocent. If you kill me, I'm going to haunt you for the rest of your lives. It was in that moment that something seemingly supernatural happened. The sky opened and a fierce bolt of lightning struck the courthouse followed by a heavy downpour of rain. Some say that the lightning strike is what ended Henry's life. Others, that the violent weather alarmed the mob so much that they fled the scene, leaving him alive, only to meet his fate several days later when he died from that gunshot wound. Still, some have said that the mob was successful in their plight. Unswayed by the sheriff for the weather, they forced their way into the building and took Wells to the edge of town and lynched him. But how exactly Henry Wells died doesn't change the eerie legacy that he left, reminding folks of what he endured. The next day, when the storm finally cleared, someone from the mob noticed something absolutely horrifying in the bottom pane of the courthouse's garret window, the exact place where Henry Wells had peered down at the mob the night before. It was an image of his face, an image that remains to this very day. While this image is clear enough for visitors to see and even to take photographs of, the legend itself and the claims as to how Henry Wells died are a little less clear. As the legend accurately purports, the Pickens County Courthouse is the third courthouse to be built on this property. The town of Carrollton was incorporated in 1831 after Pickens County was awarded 80 acres of land to establish a town as its county seat. Carrollton grew, and by the mid-1850s, the first courthouse was constructed. But again, just as the legend claims, it was destroyed on April 5, 1865, by the United States Army. There is no question whatsoever that the people of Pickens County absolutely did not hesitate to begin rebuilding this structure this act made it a clear symbol of their resilience. Authors Michael Norman and Beth Scott wrote of it, quote, 
despite the presence of carpetbaggers and a radical, federally installed government in the county, which made the task doubly difficult, rebuild it they did. And for 12 years, that courthouse stood, symbolizing, as one writer observed, the return to law and order in a strife-torn land. But of course, as you now know, this courthouse did not last long. It did in fact fall prey to yet another fire on November 16, 1876, and it was the victim of arson. An article published a week later in the West Alabama confirmed this claim stating, quote, the burning was unquestionably the work of an incendiary. It took fire in several places about the same time. Obviously, the community was extremely unsettled by this development, and Henry Wells was in fact blamed for arson. But it is here that the legend of the face in the window and historical fact seem to diverge. We'll dive deeper into this century-old mystery and explore what may have actually happened on that fateful day and more after the break. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. In spite of his enduring legacy at the Pickens County Courthouse, little is actually known about Henry Wells. He was a black man, emancipated from slavery following the Civil War. And if accounts are to be believed, he was not the kindest of individuals. Although, it is entirely possible that this description of him was nothing more than hearsay, as it wasn't documented as such until after he was arrested for a crime that he may or may not have even committed. And of course, these reports very likely had a racial bias. On the other hand, he was in fact a thief. Henry Wells and his friend and accomplice, Bill Burkhalter, 
robbed businesses in several Alabama and Mississippi towns, and purportedly, stolen property from the courthouse was found at the place where he and Burkhalter were staying, around the same time that the courthouse burned. But before they could be arrested, the men escaped. Bill Burkhalter was captured first on January 18, 1878, just seven miles from Tuscaloosa. He made no effort to get away, and once he was in custody, he not only confessed to two burglaries, but also told the authorities. But it was Henry Wells who had set the courthouse on fire. Although he had been with him at the time. According to his confession, he quote, went there with him and saw him go into the probate office light a candle, and search the room. The men separated for a short time, and upon reuniting a few minutes later, Henry came up and told them that, quote, he had set the damn thing on fire, and that he got nothing out of the office, only tobacco. No one really knows what the men were searching for that day. Some claim it was just for cash or whatever valuables they could find, but others do romanticize their telling a little bit saying that Wells was intent on either stealing or burning documents that would have implicated him in another crime. This, however, is pure speculation. But now, with Burkhalter's confession, Henry Wells was the primary suspect in the crime. About two weeks later, on January 29, 1878, Henry Wells was arrested. The West Alabamian wrote, quote, We shift the form to make room for the glad tidings of the capture of the notorious outlaw, Henry Wells. He was arrested yesterday morning on the plantation of Bill McConnor near Fairfield, Alabama. After his arrest, he made a desperate effort to get away, but two well-directed pistol shots brought him to his senses. He confesses to burning the courthouse of our county, Henry Wells and Bill Burkhalter, are now confined in our jail. Naturally, with the help of the newspaper, word spread quickly that Wells was in custody, and only days later, a lynch mob gathered in front of the building and demanded he be handed over. As the legend states, the sheriff refused and did in fact send the man to the garret for his safety. But while local lore claims that Wells looked down at the mob and was spotted, inciting the men further with his proclamation of innocence and threat to haunt the men forever. Well, we don't know, but it certainly does make for a good story. As for the brilliant flash of lightning said to mark the climax of the occasion, it might have actually happened. A storm did in fact roll through West Alabama on that fateful night, but in the end, the mob did not kill Henry Wells. Either the weather or the sheriff convinced them to stand down. Ultimately though, Henry Wells never made it in front of a jury to fight for his innocence. He died less than a week later due to the gunshot wound he'd received while trying to escape. This was confirmed by the newspaper on February 6, 1878, 
Quote, Henry Wells, the house burner who was captured Tuesday of last week and confined in our jail, died Sunday night. But interestingly, that same article also published the supposed, quote, dying confession of Henry Wells, which claimed that he was persuaded by Bill Burkhalter to break into the courthouse to steal money. And it was then that one of the men accidentally knocked over a candle in the probate court office. The flames then spread from there. Yet the veracity of either of the men's confessions is a bit questionable, as they are remarkably well-written for men who could neither read or write and had to sign their document with the mark of an X. In fact, many believe Burkhalter's confession was coerced out of him by the threat of violence. After Wells' death, Burkhalter was convicted of arson and he was sentenced to 20 years in the state penitentiary for burning down the Pickens County Courthouse. He died while still incarcerated. As you can see, the legend of the face in the window and the historical documentation to back it up are definitely intertwined. But there is one last piece of evidence calling the supernatural into question. Writings from this time period indicate that though the new courthouse was in use, the glass windows had not yet been installed when Wells and Burkhalter were locked up there. In fact, it wasn't until the month following Henry Wells' death that they were present. So that infamous face staring out of the Pickens County Courthouse window is not on glass that Henry Wells would have peered out of. Does this mean then that that face on the window is not actually Henry Wells? We may never know. It's unclear exactly when this story first emerged, but as early as 1917, a local newspaper published a claim about the presence of the image. Quote, Carrollton has a photograph. In the north gable of the courthouse is a window of a single sash of four panes. In the right bottom pane is a heroic face. There is in it a likeness to the supposed face of Christ, the one on the cross. There are legends current, but the most part confess knowing nothing. That it is a mystery is conceded. Obviously, the supposed face of Christ in a courthouse window is a far cry from the haunted image of a man wanted for arson. But by 1928, the story had shifted away from the belief that it had religious origins. Who the face was specifically was still not decided, but it was now being associated with the events surrounding Henry Wells. It wasn't actually till the 1940s that he became the man in the window as oral tradition started circulating the story that the mob had successfully apprehended him and lynched him on the edge of town. A January 4, 1940 newspaper article actually even tried to stop this erroneous claim, stating, quote, Wells wasn't lynched as is often thought, but died in the county jail from wounds received when he was captured. Burkhalter was sent to prison and died there. Of course, this piece of local lore truly took off and became one of the most infamous ghost stories of Alabama in 1969, when it was included in Catherine Tucker Wyndham's 13 Alabama Ghosts in Jeffrey. 
Then, five years later, the Alabama Historical Association erected a historical marker providing not only a brief history of the courthouse, but also the legend behind the face in the garret window. Whether or not this ghost story is true, one thing remains. No one has ever been able to explain why this image remains over a century after it first appeared, surviving an untold number of failed attempts to wash it away. And eerily, it even survived a massive hailstorm in December of 1927 that was so severe, quote, all the windows on the west side and the north side of the courthouse were broken out, even the one with the picture. But the pane with the picture was left unbroken, the only one in the window. in the window is only visible from the outside from certain angles. And since it has become so popular, the community has installed a permanent binocular across the street to help folks see it. But if you're going to go visit and see the face, you should probably try when a storm's expected. Because it's said that on a night when the electricity is in the air and a storm is on the horizon, you just might also hear a voice from the top of the courthouse whispering, I'm innocent. My name is Brandon Schecksnyder, and you've been listening to Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic is produced by siblings Brianne and Brandon Schecksnyder and made possible through the support of listeners like you. If you're interested in receiving ad-free episodes and additional content, be sure to join us over on Patreon or become a premium subscriber on Apple Podcasts. This month, we'd like to thank our most recent Patreon supporters, Robin Drury and the Bleak Librarian. Southern Gothic is also a member of Airwave, a curated podcast network featuring some of the leading storytellers in audio entertainment, including other chart-topping podcasts like Historical Blindness and The Conspirators. Lucky Lady Shacks. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. My name is Matt, host of the Pirate History Podcast. Pirates rank among the most mythologized and romanticized of all historical figures. It can become easy to forget that pirates were real people that had real-world concerns. If you like tales of high seas adventure, daring do, and also want to learn more about who Blackbeard supported to be king, you can learn more about all of that at the Pirate History Podcast.